Kinging wave, Fox Beard, Locker's action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday night, June 30th, 2022, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we're live, and you can call 646-668-2433 to talk with yours truly, Uncle Jim, and my incredibly awesome Trek Spurts. I'm coming to you live from the deck of my camper, actually. I'm in beautiful Saratoga Springs, New York, and right along the Hudson River. And I'm waving to some people over there that are playing ping pong, and that's a beautiful night here. So let me introduce my Trek Spurts to you guys, and then we'll talk a little bit about the show. Let's start off with Charles. Charles is out in Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right, enjoying air conditioning as usual. Ah, see, I, I'm sitting on my deck with my fan, no air conditioning needed, which is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Blue sky, gorgeous, oh, gorgeous, I, gorgeous. I can sit outside, and it's like, yeah, I might have a light breeze, might not help. Wow, well, and we also have with us our trifecta from Portland is back together again. Let's start off with the donut man himself, David. How you doing tonight, David? Eating donuts. Yep, of course. Wouldn't have it any other way, would we? <laughs> Did you bring it up for everybody or just for you? <laughs> oh, come and get it. Come and get it. That's all I'm saying. I'll, I'll beam right over. <laughs> and also from <laughs> Portland, we have Paul the Wine Guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? Yeah, I think I'm doing okay, Jim. It's been a busy day, including a little trip to the dentist. So the surrealism factor is high. Oh, wow. Please. I, I'm glad it was you and not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Oh. You're not. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, finishing out our trifecta from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing great, Jim. We are having an almost perfect day here in Portland, 78 degrees, sunny, light breeze, and uh, I am wearing my cosplay uniform, ready to discuss tonight's episode. Boom. Wow, that's a mic drop. It's a good thing I'm not wearing my uniform to talk about this this episode, (laughs) I'll tell you that. Anyways. Um, yeah, so uh, as Eric just said, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Elysium Kingdom, which was last week's episode. That way we can't spoil it for you because hopefully you've already seen it. So that's when we're, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. So uh, give us a call if you'd like to talk about that. But wait, there's more. William Shatner commemorates his space flight with a Rocket Man vinyl release. I have mine on order already. 
Uh, Star Trek First Contact is coming to 4K. IDW Lower Deck Series is on deck. We also have some Star Trek crossovers to talk about. And we lost a member of our Star Trek family today. Um, we have our Star Trek birthdays. We have our convention calendar. And we have our fan shout out. So we got a busy show. Lots to talk about. So give us a call at 646-668-2433 and join the conversation. Um, we have 104,000 followers of our Facebook page as of right now, which is incredibly awesome. And we have 116,106 downloads of this podcast. So thank you so much to all of you guys. And again, we'd like to welcome all of our friends in the UK in Ireland because Paramount Plus has launched there. I hear they only have the first three episodes, a plus episode nine, which was tonight's episode. I don't know why they don't have the in-between ones, um, but at least you can watch Star Trek and welcome to the family to all of you guys. Um, and I just got to mention again, because I'm so excited about this. I got to say thank you to all you guys for putting us on the best podcast list, the 60 best Star Trek podcasts. Um, there's thousands to choose from, are ranked by web traffic, social media followers, domain authority, and freshness. Does anybody know what domain authority even is? I, I don't know, but um, that must be important. Anyways, of the top 60, Trek Talking comes in at number 22, which I think is quite impressive, actually, if you think about it, out of the thousands that are out there. And we owe that all to you guys, each and every one of you guys making that possible for so thank you so much for 2022 that's right so hopefully we uh can stay there for 2023 um yeah so thank you to you guys and if you'd like to get an individual fan shout out head over to our facebook page at truck talking and beyond spell that all out at the top of the page you'll see the live long and prosper pinned to the top all you got to do is tell us where you're listening from every week yours truly uncle jim will pick uh we're up to 20 now Lucky listeners, if you see a heart next to your name, you want to tune in because your name is going to be immortalized on this podcast and floating through space for all of eternity. So that's a pretty awesome thing. So why don't we get started with our fan shout outs and we're going to start off with Eric. Yeah, Jim, tonight our very first fan shout out goes out to Elton Hakopa all the way down in Invercargill, New Zealand. Uh, I looked this up, guys. I'm pretty sure this is the furthest south on the planet of anybody we have ever heard from. This is uh, this little town is right on the very, very southern tip of New Zealand, and it's awesome because, um, man, isn't it cool to think that we've got people way, way out there listening to us tonight? Maybe Elton's listening to us right now so if you are elton thank you so much for supporting us and for saying hi to us on our facebook page tonight we really really appreciate it we're also saying hello this week to graham wilbraham in shrewsbury shropshire just across the pond in the uk graham thank you so much for listening to us as well and keeping the torch alive in the land of my personal ancestors grace osedias Grace is listening to us from Cranston, Rhode Island, up around Jim's Way just a little bit. So, Grace, thank you so much for listening to us, and a big kapla going out to you. We're also saying hello this week to Mariana Pullmans, Putmans, excuse me, Putmans, Mariana Putmans from Brussels in Belgium. Uh, have you ever met the Muscles? I always wanted to meet the Muscles from Brussels, but I never did. 
Uh, thank you, Marianne, for listening to us. And my final fan shout out this week goes out to Michelle Bartz from Washington, but currently residing in Oklahoma. I can only assume that means you are from the Northwest, now down in Oklahoma. Live long and prosper to you, Michelle. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Bill Kurtz from Cleveland, Ohio. Cassandra Johnson's in North Carolina. Deborah Abel is from Bearden, Arkansas. Then I got two top fans. Jackie Franklin from Dixon, Tennessee. And Missy Oakley from Anchorage, Alaska. A big greetings to all of you and to our two top fans. Paul, who's on your list? All righty, all kinds of folks all over the spinning orb we call home, that is planet Earth. First of all, a great big shout-out and hello. Thanks so much for listening to Dana Struther in the magical Shenandoah Valley in the state of Virginia. Thanks, Dana, for uh, keeping the faith alive and for checking in with us. Also, like to say hello. Uh, let's spin that planet again back down there where Eric just was. We're going to Hawke's Bay, New Zealand, and we're saying hello to... Uh, other hemispheric fan, B.J. Smith. We definitely seem to be getting uh, the word out to New Zealand. That is fantastic news. However, let's not forget other parts of the globe, and let's move ourselves back over to Europe, to Berlin, Germany, and say hello to Nevs Los Redamske. And I'm sure I'm probably uh, mispronouncing at least half of your name, Nevs. So uh, please forgive me, but accept my thanks for you listening. And then we're going, I'm going to get whiplash from all this planetary rotation here, because guess what? We're going back below the equator again to top fan Greg Sayre in Queensland, Australia, with the mighty flag flapping in the wind there, Greg. Thank you so much for uh, everything that you do with the uh, dealing with the reverse Coriolis effect on a daily basis. I don't know how you do it. It's just crazy. And then lastly, for me, I've got a wonderful felicitations and thank you for listening to Rosa L. Lopez in Sao Paulo, Brazil, a magical land and a wonderful place to call home. It seems the message of diversity and a hopeful future is reaching fans all across the planet. Wouldn't you say that's true, Jim? I, I would definitely agree, and it definitely goes true for Russ Clapper, who's listening to us in Marion, Ohio. Thank you so much. And a personal favorite of mine, top fan, Francine Shambliss, who's listening to us in Brooklyn, New York, USA. Represent right there. Let me tell you, I spent my summers in Brooklyn on 53rd Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. I used to go down to King's Pizza, best pizza around, and on a clear day, I could see right down the harbor and see the Statue of Liberty. I miss those days in Brooklyn. So thank you for listening to Francine. Brooklyn's the best. Brooklyn, I'm telling you, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. My grandfather was a huge Brooklyn Dodgers fan. When they left, he was devastated. He became a Mets fan, and now I'm cursed. I'm a Mets fan for life because of my grandfather. So there you have it. <laughs> he gave you a gift, Uncle Jim. He gave you a gift. He did. He, he used to sit out on the stoop with a little transistor radio with this big antenna, 
and listen to the Mets game. And I stood out there with them. And here we are today, and I'm still a Mets fan. So well, he hated with, the with, Yankees. Hated the with, Yankees. With shortstops like Linder, it's easy to like the Mets these days. That's very true. Very, very true. He's my boy. And, I love uh, Linder, man. He's fun to watch. He is fun. Uh, we'd also like to say kapla to John Beaton from Maine, USA, not too far from where I am right now. Top fan Shirley Myers who's listening in Surrey, England. And last but not least on my list, another top fan. We'd like to say kapla to Maria R. Garcia, who's listening to us right now. Well, maybe not right now, but in Sacramento, California. So those the are our fans shout out this week. If you guys would like to be featured on a fan shout out, just go to our Facebook page and drop us a line. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, you're going to be on the show. And speaking of which, we have some callers on the line right now. So Woo-hoo. let me see if my if my uh, iPhone will work. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thanks for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name? Oh, yeah. Hello? Hello? Did we get butt dialed? I think we, yes. I'm gonna, okay. All right. Yeah, we're well, sick bay or something. I think someone's about to get a transfusion. I know. Oh, could be a Dr. Dr. can you hear me? The spleen does not go there. It goes in a different orifice. Put it back in, please. Okay, let me Nobody see wants this to spleen that. No, no, no. Don't put it in there. Oh, nurse, please help me clean this up. It's it's all over the place. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. Uh, where are you calling us from tonight? Hello. It's Nate from Vegas. Nate from Vegas. From Vegas. Hey. See, that's an actual where, voice. Where Charles failed to tell you the reason why he's enjoying his air conditioning is it's currently 104 over here. You guys talked about your 78. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> 104. It's just like... And it just happens for you all the time. It's unbelievable. I'm sitting on the deck at my camp. I got the fan blowing. It's a it's a beautiful 74. No mosquitoes. Gorgeous night. People playing ping pong over there. It's like perfect. Absolutely perfect night. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our fan shout outs. We're going to take a quick break. So don't touch that dial. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalking and beyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Okay, guys, we're back. And this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. And you know what that means? That means we got to hear from our very own Lieutenant Worf. Oh, 
That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, with our Star Trek birthdays, we always like to start out by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering nine members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Scott Marlowe, who would have had a birthday this week. He played the character Keeve Fowler uh, in TNG's episode Ensign Row, uh, one of many Bajorans in that episode, um, an important one. Uh, he was really famous mostly for being in several television roles. He was all over the place. Uh, if it was made in the 80s uh, and it was on television, he was probably on it, including Murder, She Wrote, um, you know, Outer Limits, uh, Bonanza. Is, we got 80s, 70s stuff in there. So um, Scott Marlowe, very prolific actor. Happy birthday to him. We're also saying happy birthday to actor George Murdoch who played Admiral J.P. Hansen in TNG's episodes The Best of Both Worlds, Parts 1 and 2. Um, one of the ones that's not so bad when it comes to art admirals. <laughs> um, but Jim probably likes him for something uh, a little bit different. And I will say that, uh, you know, in this other role, I, I'm not sure if Jim knows this or not, uh, but in the pre-production of Jim's favorite movie, William Shatner had originally planned to cast Murdoch for the role of Cord. But when Charles Cooper read for the role, Murdoch was recast in his final role, which was that of God from Star Trek V. Or if you don't want to call him God, uh, call him the weird entity that needs a starship to get off the planet. Well, I, I, I don't think he actually was God. Of course not. Uh, yeah, I think that's I mean, the big reveal. I think that's the big yeah. reveal. That's why God is kind of in quotes because uh, right. there's that kind of like idea that he was, and it was the final frontier, and I was all excited that it's uh, uh, it turns out it's just another weird alien. But <laughs> in, <laughs> in fact, the research I did, I kind of like the term the God entity. Ooh, that's good. I like that, Charles. Yeah, that's a good way to refer to him. So anyway, J.P. Hansen, great actor, um, was, a, was a great admiral in Best of Both Worlds, um, one of the few, like I said, and a great uh, god, the entity in Star Trek V. So happy birthday to him. We're also saying happy birthday to Tommy Tiny Lister Jr. Uh, this is the Tiny Lister, uh, Tommy Lister Jr. who played our very first Klingon that we see in Enterprise in the episode Broken Bow. He plays Clang. Uh, one of my favorite Klingon names ever. Um, and, he, of course, it starts out with a chase. You know, he's running with his with his disruptor. So pretty cool opening scene to a pretty cool, I think, first episode for a show. Tommy Lister would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to James Wellman, who played Professor Starnes in the TOS episode and The Children Shall Lead. Um, episode, uh, think what you will about the episode. An interesting fact about him he was born just four hours from where I grew up in Quincy, Illinois. So James Wellman, a Midwestern boy, happy birthday to him. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Gary Pilar, who played Yutan in TOS's episode, A Private Little War. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it. Such a great episode. Like definitely one of my top five episodes of TOS ever. And this guy, if his face looks familiar when you see him in this episode, it's because he was really famous in the 80s for his roles on several soap operas, mostly um, Guiding Light, uh, which was one that my mom watched every day at like 2.30 in the afternoon. So I saw a lot of that. <laughs> Gary Pilar would have had a, a birthday this week. 
Uh, we're also celebrating Tony Young's birthday this week. He played the character Crichton in TOS's episode, Alan of Troyes. Another great episode. Uh, so happy birthday to Tony. Happy birthday as well to Harvey. Ver- yeah, go ahead. I went to see the, the Smithsonian exhibit when they had it of all the TOS traveling um, uh, uh, sets and things of that nature. And they had the, they had the actual uniform that Crichton wore in that episode. Do you know what that uniform was? Uh, you mean originally? It feels like it's probably something from Flash Gordon or something, but I don't. I'm not really sure. Yeah, they 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 needed to make a costume, so they went out and bought those red brown plastic mats at the dollar store and cut yeah. them up to look. Like they were shaped like flames and stapled yeah. them together, and that's what he's wearing. And it looks like it, Jim. It looks like it. <laughs> you can get away with a lot with a little fuzzy SD, uh, you know, <laughs> level <Yeah>. resolution. So <laughs> I point that out to people all the time when they complain about the look of Strange New World and how it should be closer to what it was in the 60s. I said, do you have any idea what McCoy waving a salt shaker around would look like on a 60-inch 4K Super yeah. HD television? Yeah. It just it wouldn't work. I, it I honestly work. it would look correct. <laughs> yes. It would look correct. <laughs> People would say, Oh look at that salt shaker he's waving. Doesn't that look that looks great? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, I definitely noticed that when I watch shows these days, you know, you see all the little wrinkles and like pimples that people have underneath their makeup and stuff. Like four K is no joke, man. You can see probably more than you should. Absolutely. Well, uh, happy birthday to uh, to Tony here. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Harvey Vernon, who played Yolad Balar in DS9's episode uh, Equilibrium. Uh, he uh, was on the Dukes of Hazard, so there you go. There's a nice little piece of trivia for you. Harvey Vernon on the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Charlene Polite would have also had a birthday this week. She played Vanna. In TOS's episode, The Cloud Minders, an episode that we just brought up uh, not too long ago uh, in uh, regards to a Strange New Worlds episode. So, happy birthday to Charlene. Was Vanna the daughter? She was the daughter, right? Of she the... was. She was the daughter. Oh, yeah. God. She is hilarious, man. She's I know. She's great. But what would Froglights do here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All the little things that you and I do, madam. <laughs> oh, man. Classic and stuff. And, you know, her, that was actually her very first appearance on television, too. So um, for that to be a really, like, awesome role for her, for her very first television appearance is pretty cool. So happy birthday to Charlene. And our last remembrance this week uh, goes out to actor John Harmon, who played Teppo in TOS's episode, A Piece of the Action. He also played Rodent in TOS's episode, City on the Edge of Forever. So couple of like pretty yeah. high profile episodes right there uh in the first uh, you know he plays kind of a, a grungy cowboy or uh not cowboy um he's a he's, he's a gangster a she a chicago a guy that's what he's i mean yeah. yeah exactly like that yeah he's got that she here <laughs> and he wears an awesome bowler hat in a second so uh happy birthday to john Harmon. That is all of our remembrances this week, guys. So uh, happy birthday to all of those who have gone before us, like I said. Uh, And Charles is going to kick off our happy birthdays for those of us who are still with us. We have a blog. Blow your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. 
Your culture will adapt to serve us. Resistance is futile. I hate when they do that. I really do. When they take over my technology, I don't like that. But anyways, all right. It's all, all yours, right. Charlie. Let's start off. Let's start off with Alex, Alice Kreidge, who was the Boar Queen in the episodes First Contact, Voyager's Endgame, and, Eld- and Lower Decks, Iascretus. And the next few birthdays are rather interesting ones. Andrea Martin played one of the Ishkas, Moogie, in DS9 Family Business. Happy 75th birthday. She had a very extensive career. Some of, my, some of my crew may actually recognize that she started off in SCTV mm-hmm. or Second City TV, Sesame Street, and a lot of kid shows. The reason she only played Moogie once is because of the makeup. She had issues with the makeup, so therefore she only played the character once. And she uh, is really, I mean, she's still cooking, man. She and my wife loves The Good Fight, and she is a major character on The Good Fight television show, too. So she's still doing things these days. Oh, she's doing a lot of kids stuff. Then we got Renetta Scott who played Admiral Hayes in TNG's Realm of Fear. Happy 85th birthday. Uh-huh. Is that a good Huntridge. admiral or a bad admiral? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Admiral Hayes is one of the bad ones, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, figure. Yeah. He's, 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 like, he's known as, a, as being kind of a windbag. He just kind of like talks and nobody really listens to him. Janeway hated him. So <laughs> well, there, that's all we need to know. Yeah. <laughs> then we have Derek Partridge who played Dionya on TOS's Plato's stepchildren. Happy 87th birthday to Derek. And then Jesse James Cassell played Dr. Aspen and, or, and Captain Angel in Strange New World, the Serenade Squall. The Serenade Squall. Had, and I believe, her, had their yeah. character on recently. That's right. And uh, if Kaitel sounds like a familiar last name, they are distantly related to uh, the Kaitel that we're all more familiar with, Harvey, but uh, I guess they don't show up at functions together, so more like a uh, you know, distant relative. Same last name. Are you but saying it's, it's an, they're an estranged relative? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I guess what it was, that it's like, a, it's like his, uh, her grandfather is like brothers or something with Harvey Keitel's dad or something. There's, it's, mm. it's like one of those things where it's just distant enough that like, you know, they just, it's like, how often do you hang out with your second cousin, right? It's just, well, maybe you do. But. Well, thanks to the restraining order, never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the restraining order is against me, just to clarify. <laughs> uh, okay, speaking of restraining order, Paul, who's on your list? 
<laughs> well done, my friend. Touche. Uh, and I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you damn kids. Okay. <laughs> well, I got a really interesting batch for you here tonight, friends. All kinds of good birthdays. I just love thinking that maybe be it in some kind of country club bar or retirement home or, you know, derelict basement, that one of these actors is actually listening to us and hearing our happy birthday greetings. I don't know. I know one person who would probably be listening to us from, oh, I don't know, probably the deck of some expensive yacht would be the great Mick Fleetwood. Yes, Mick Fleetwood, we love you, okay? And you're like, why are you saying that to Mick Fleetwood? Well, because he it was unrecognizable. In the Next Generation episode, Manhunt, where yeah. he was uh, appeared as an Antedian dignitary, okay? And uh, I think it was wanted to be on the show because he was a fan, I believe, and it was kind of a bit of a lark. Uh, he looks like he belongs in a fish tank. Fish man. <laughs> he looks crazy. He looks like he would be... Uh, uh, you know, uh, he looks like, you know, he reminds me of, he reminds me of Admiral Akbar. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Several soccer stories have appeared around the floor. But Mick Fleetwood, man, uh, never have to prove your uh, sense of humor in any other way ever again. But uh, and happy birthday, you know, I'm man. Sure that you know this. I'm sure you know this, Paul, but he was in another huge sci-fi movie of the 80s, but you could see his face. And he gives the line to Arnold. The, he delivers a one-liner to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he says, nothing worth losing your head over. You remember that movie? I, I think I do. Is that? Are we talking a Conan movie? The Running Man. Oh, the Richard Running Wright. Man. That's right, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It was Park Show. Richard, what's his yeah. name? Richard Dreyfuss. Oh God, no, Richard, Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson Richard was Dawson. in the Running Man. Yeah. The same show host. Yep, that ran the show. And and Mick Fleetwood was the guy that took the exploding necklace off of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's great. That's hilarious. And, he, and you could see his face. <laughs> he didn't look like a giant mermaid. <laughs> well, Mick, wherever you are, brother, happy birthday to you. And uh, it's awesome that you are part of the uh, celestial firmament that is Star Trek. Okay. Why don't you tell our younger listeners who might not know why Mick Fleetwood? Who is Mick Fleetwood? Oh, oh come uh, on, please. No, are you really going to ask me to do this? Okay, yeah. I will. I will. <laughs> So, friends, there is a there is a band. There a band seems like not enough of a, a name that's, that's even appropriate <laughs> for this icon. group, right? There's a legendary force in music. Let's just call it that. Called Fleetwood Mac. Okay. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Mick Fleetwood is it? Given the name Mick, it might clue you in that he's a British musician, songwriter, and occasional actor, as we've learned here. Um, but uh, Fleetwood Mac is like ensconced forever in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if you don't know who Stevie Nicks is, uh, I kind of probably pity you. And I'd say that you need to go and get yeah. some whatever your streaming service is, you young whippersnapper. I would like you to go listen to rumors this weekend, please, for the love of God, or Heroes Are Hard to Find, or anything, or just Fleetwood Mac Talk. album. Yeah, a little experimental. I, I'm going to say, <laughs> let's, let's just drive past Tusk, all right? But I uh, love it. Uh, you love Star Trek V. Of course you love Tusk. That's right. <laughs> Tusk is awesome. 
<laughs> you're a, a fringe dude, man. That's why I want to party with you in person because you are a fringe <laughs> dude. You were out there. You're like, uh, I, in fact, there's a movie I'm going to be referencing in about 45 seconds or so, and I know you probably love this movie because could, so few, could, so few do. A song with the USC marching Trojans not be an awesome song. <laughs> you know, Jim, Trojans belong one place, but I'm going to leave that for one for later on. So yeah, <laughs> right. let the audience fill in their blank as best they will. But uh, uh, thank you, Mick Fleetwood. Uh, but there's someone else waiting the wings that really deserves a special shout out, okay? I'd like to wish, wherever you may be, my dear, a very happy birthday. And uh, you have a special place in Star Trek history. Sandra Smith, okay? Who is Sandra Smith? Well, you may not recognize the name Sandra Smith right off the top of your tongue, but if you're an old-school Star Trek fan, you you recognize the name of Dr. Janice Lester. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Janice Lester, young fans are like, I don't know what he's talking about, man. Well, Dr. Janice Lester appeared in the final (laughs) The very last episode of Star Trek called Turnabout Intruder, that famous episode, the body swap episode, where where jealous scientist Dr. Janice Lester does the body swap premise and has her consciousness beamed into Captain Kirk and (laughs) William Shatner's Captain Kirk has his swap into Dr. Lester's body and poor... Sandra Smith has to lay there in sick bay and pretend to be William Shatner and channel him in an incredible performance where she's saying things like, damn it, Bones, you've got to understand. It's me. It's, it's me. It's Jim. It is just, it is comedically awful in many great ways. It is, uh, it is, uh, it's, it's, it, you can't look away. That's what I would have to say about Turnabout Intruder. It not, isn't necessarily the, the nail that put the car in the original. Of Let's just make it clear. Not anything her fault. She gamely tried her best. But what she had to work with was just, uh, it was clown town from beginning to end, and you can't look away. So uh, old school fans will know. Turnabout Intruder, you, my dear, will never have to prove your bravery in any other way. You are a legend in Star <laughs> you Trek. You took one for lore. the team. <laughs> you, yeah, you really did. And uh, it's just, you, you believed every, they, Uta Hagen said acting is believing. And you believed every damn moment you were trying to channel William Shatner. That was clear. So <laughs> just, wow. Amazing. Uh, also, Bruce Davison, uh, let's not forget him. Happy birthday, sir. You played Jareth in the Voyager episode, uh, Remembers and Mendos. Is that abbreviated mendos isn't a, i think that might be like a breath mint somebody i'm not no, sure no, and, no, on the, no, and on the enterprise well, episode is, the seven actually the character's guy the character's name is mendoza i think there's a little glitch in the notes here yeah mendoza right. is the guy yeah i i should have gotten here early and had a chance to, to pre-screen everything and do some <laughs> some editing but that damn dentist would not stop scraping my teeth oh my god so what are you going to do? But uh, Bruce Davison, uh, legend, who's been in just about everything, uh, has been a ton of stuff, all kinds of different parts. So happy birthday, sir. I hope you're continuing to enjoy a wonderful life. Uh, another happy birthday to Sharon Lawrence, who played on the Voyager episode, the 37th, played Amelia Earhart. Love legendary, that episode. Love legendary it. 
presence in history and I think in, in Voyager, frankly. Uh, well, you have, to, you have to understand that like for Janeway, Amelia Earhart is like the creme de la creme. That is like, that is who she looks to when she thinks about like her role models and the people that she wants to be like in that. Totally. The, the 37s is such a good episode. And it's so like clear that when Janeway first meets Amelia Earhart, she is completely starstruck. And I think (laughs) it's just smitten. And I think part of that is the performance that Sharon Lawrence gives there. I love that episode. If you haven't seen a lot of Voyager, check that one out. It's a great episode. Yeah, cool. It makes me want to rewatch it just thinking about that. So very, very happy birthday to you. And now (laughs) I'm going to – this minor stop on the lovely – wonderful trail of birthday of uh, 1980. I love the 80s. I don't know if anyone else loves the 80s as much as me, but I freaking love that decade because it's like, uh, it was insane and many cool things happened. But first of all, let's start at the beginning. Happy birthday, Ken Marshall, who played uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, played Michael Eddington, if you are familiar with that character. Yeah. Now, who is Ken Marshall, and why am I excited to be talking about him? Because I suspect he because was... Because everybody knows Ken Marshall. Come on! <laughs> well, because Ken Marshall was the star of a movie that will live in infamy. It's 80s sci-fi fantasy history, the whopper that is Krull. that movie. Krull! I, I would bet money that a man who loves uh, Fleetwood Mass. Max Tusk, and who loves Star Trek V, probably loves Crawl equally as much, uh-huh. is, is my guess, Jim, is, because it's just a whopper. If you've never seen Crawl, oh my God, you should sit down and watch it as fast as possible. But you need to put the same goggles on that the young folks in right. Stranger Things are wearing when they are loving the never-ending story, okay? Because that's probably the double bill that is surreal enough to transport you into the 80s Magic Kingdom. Ken Marshall played Colwyn alongside tons and tons of other famous actors in this movie. Oh, my God. The great Freddie Jones, uh, Francesca Annis from Dune, uh, Liam Neeson played a Cyclops, I believe. I think he was a, played somebody. <laughs> but Liam Neeson was in it. Uh, all kinds of Robbie Coltrane, you name it. I mean, everybody was in Crawl, but it was a bomb of colossal proportions. It was just nuts. And uh, but it's some of you know one of those bombs that has sort of almost transcended into Flash Gordon territory just because people love it and it's crazy. Uh, so I don't want to suck up any more time uh, because I know I'm just I'm envious of the birthday Jim's about to, to regale us with down the road. Oh, but what a bunch of great people this week having birthdays from Fleetwood Mac to Ken Marshall. It's just incredible. Jim, who you got? I know who you got. And God, well, happy birthday, dude. I, I got to say, dead or alive, you're coming with me. That's what I got to say. Um, we want to say happy birthday to the one, the only RoboCop himself. Um, yeah, it's RoboCop's birthday. And you're wondering, well, why are we talking about RoboCop? Well, Peter Weller played John Frederick Paxton in the Enterprise episode Demons and Terra Prime. And he played Admiral Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness, another one of those evil, evil admirals. But I think everybody knows him as RoboCop, right? I would say. It's, 
It's true, Jim, but if you are uh, unfamiliar with Enterprise, Demons and Terra Prime are two episodes that should absolutely be in your top five uh, episodes of all time to watch for Enterprise. Those are two excellent episodes, and he plays an awesome, awesome role in those as well. People also know him from Buckaroo Banzai, if Uh, you're really old. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. Buckaroo Banzai. So we also want to say happy birthday to Michael Burke. And again, Michael Burke played Hogue in DS9's Profit and Loss. He played Goval in TNG's Descent Part 2. He was a Borg. And I think the role that most people would know him for is Koss. He was a Vulcan in the Enterprise trilogy, Home, The Forge, and the Kershana. That's where the stalagmites came from, if I remember correctly. Cyrenites, so. yes, and and I have to tell you that these two, Michael Burke, like I, I've been trying hard not to mention Star Trek Attack Wing connections, but two cards, Goval and Koss, are two of the best cards in the entire game. Top ten cards, Star Trek Attack Wing all the time. Uh, Goval is an awesome Borg. You can discard for somebody else, so like you second a five, you discard Goval instead. Koss, you can cancel anything that's happening against you right now. So great, great cards, Michael Burke. Two great roles, and Hogue is uh, not a bad one either. And uh, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Jay Carnes, who has a connection to a uh, guest that we had on the show not too long ago. He played Agent Wells in Picard's Mercy, and he also played Lieutenant Duquesne in Voyager's Relativity. And he was the FBI agent um, who ran into Eduardo Roman, who was a Vulcan on Earth when he was a little kid. Remember that? We talked about that, was that a month ago? Mm-hmm. Not that long ago, yep. Yeah. Dutch boy! I thought, was, I thought that was pretty cool. So happy birthday to Jay Carnes. We also want to say that this has got to be the unluckiest guy in the Star Trek world uh, this next birthday. So David Gartreau, who, uh, when Leonard Nimoy decided he had enough of Star Trek, and he left, wanted nothing to do with Star Trek, and he left. So they decided, okay, we're going to do Star Trek Phase 2. And they cast Persis Kimbata to be in it. And they replaced Spock with a character by the name of Zahn. And you can see there's, there's test footage and there's actually pictures of him in his Vulcan uh, makeup. And then all of a sudden, uh, this movie came out that you might have heard of called Star Wars. And then Paramount said, oh, oh, forget the movie. Forget that. We're, not, we're going to do a movie. And they threw it all out. He never got to be Zahn, but, but as a consolation prize, he played Commander Branch in Star Trek, the motion picture. He was in charge of space li- or, um, uh, um, Epsilon 9, and he got wasted by V'ger. So there you have it. Um, we also want to say happy birthday to Katie and Kelly Cockrell, who played the Cajun twins in Star Trek Into Darkness when Captain Kirk was having his four-way, and we see a couple of tails stick out from under the covers. Uh, yeah, those were Cations, and they were played by the twins, Katie and Kaylee Cottrell. And I don't have any Klingons for you this week, but I do have the man that saved Star Trek, the man that brought Star Trek back from the brink. Star Trek was a dead franchise until he got his hands on it. And a lot of fans don't want to believe that. And they're, they're free to think what they want. But if it wasn't for this guy, we wouldn't be in the golden age of Star Trek that we have right now. We wouldn't have all these great shows like Strange New Worlds that we're going to talk about tonight. And it all rests on the shoulders of J.J. Abrams. 
and uh, he went to Paramount and said, hey, I got an idea for a movie, 2009, and that proved to them that Star Trek could be profitable again. And here we are doing Trek talking. So happy, happy, happy birthday to J.J. Abrams. That wraps up our birthdays for this week, guys. But we do have a caller. You guys ready to talk to a caller? I think so. Yeah, let me see if this thing will work this time. Hello, what's your name and where are you calling us from? Hello? Caller, are you there? Hi, this is Hi. Anna. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Hello. Anna. Pretty good. How are you all doing? We're doing really good. How's the weather out in Portland? Uh, it is actually sunny right now. Yeah, That's a good very thing. bright. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, yeah, the rays are still hitting you. It's strange. But it does make a big difference if it's got that direct, direct or not. Anyway, That's I've been cool. looking at, you know, hours and just what you can, what you can't do here. True. Plant change. True, true. Thank you for the show. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Ah, there goes my dog. <laughs> I'm sitting on the deck at my camp, and someone just walked by, and <laughs> she decided to bark. She does that. <sighs> so, all right. Well, we're, we're yeah. We're, we're we're glad that you're listening tonight, Anna. Oh, thank you. Are you yeah. are you did you start Trek birthday so far? You know what? I saw part of the pirate one. I was gonna love to see it. I kind of got on it, off it. I've been trying to focus and catch up with stuff, and then I ended up getting sick or whatever. You know, people. So anyway. It goes up and down. I haven't caught up with the Star Trek like I should, but I'm going to get on to a good streaming, probably That's back okay. on to Paramount again. So the answer is no, unfortunately. Oh. But I did see clips of, like, the pirate one. It was really excellent. The acting was really, yeah, I, really, I, really, you know, the best. Well, let me ask Heart you a question. Balls, Do you know who Mick Fleetwood is? No, I don't actually. And you know who Fleetwood Mac me. is? Have you heard of Fleetwood <laughs> Mac? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of them. It's just that, you know, if you showed me a picture right away, and even today I look at someone and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> you know, someone like, I didn't quite know. So I'm not the person to ask. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> just, That's no problem. I never know for sure anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening tonight, and thank you for calling, Anna. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Thanks thank a lot. You. All right. And uh, we have another caller on the line here, guys. We're getting all kinds tonight. Let's see. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talk. And what's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello. Call, are you there? Can you hear me? 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to assume that the caller is not there anymore. Um, all right. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to do a convention calendar. Convention. Convention. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. Okay, guys, and we're back, and it's time for... That's some subdued audio, Jim. Convention, convention, calendar, calendar. Isn't it kind of like a monster truck thing, you know? (laughs) Anyways. Uh, so, guys, we're going to be doing convention calendar, and we're going to turn to Eric, and he's going to start us off with uh, with his list of conventions. Yeah, guys, we got three conventions here on my list. The Houston Horror Film Fest is taking place on July 22nd through the 24th at the Houston Marriott West Chase in Houston, Texas. We're also checking out Comicopolis July 23rd. At the White Oak Library District Lockport Branch in Lockport, Illinois. And we're also checking out the Con of the Lakes, July 23rd, American Legion Post number 544 at Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. Paul, what is on your list? Well, my friend, first of all, we are moving into the middle part, latter part of July, and we are going to Peoria Civic Center in Peoria, Illinois, for QuadCon Peoria. Now, you mentioned Illinois earlier, Eric, is your point of origin. Uh, Is is Peoria anywhere near where you uh, were sired? Yeah, Peoria is about an hour and a half away from where I grew up. Okay, about an hour and a half away. Okay. Yeah. All right, good uh, to know. I'm just always curious to dive into the, the hidden history of Eric, you know, find you can, out all the details. Pretty, you can pretty much figure if it's located in western Illinois and it has the word quad in it, it's happening around about the quad cities there, uh, which are the four cities that border between Iowa and Illinois, uh, all right there. So, yeah. Excellent. Fabulous, my friend. Well, anyhow, sounds like Peoria's got some stuff going on. Uh, QuadCon, now we know, refers to the Quad Cities. So, see, I did not realize that before. So I thought it had something to do with Quadro Triticale. But that just goes to show you how much I know. <laughs> Laissez-faire Illinois visitor that I am. But uh, I'm more familiar with this next state because I used to live there for a while, the, the beautiful state of Massachusetts. Uh, we won't talk about the nickname that Massachusetts has. But, uh, Massachusetts, excuse me. Uh. <laughs> no, we can't say it on the radio there, Eric. Uh, but Springfield, you know Massachusetts. What, they get a lot of good stuff for their taxes. You may pay high taxes, but I'm telling you, Massachusetts is an awesome state. I love living I, there. I'm sorry. I'm a massive fan of Massachusetts. Yeah. I loved living yeah. there. I had some really good times there. It's a wonderful place. Um, crazy, stuff. Have- crazy stuff. Crazy I- stuff. Because you can't get there from here. Well, 
you, you need like, basically if you want to know what driving in Massachusetts is like, watch uh, Mad Max Fury Road, and you'll have yeah. a good idea. So yeah. as you're I, driving to you. the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield for this con on July 23rd, the Springfield Comic Con. What a shock! It's in Springfield, right? Yeah. Um, really. Hell of a town. Drive, <laughs> drive carefully, Springfield fans, because it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. Have a great con. And then also, uh, going a little bit further south to Austin, Texas, which is a pretty cool part of Texas, uh, the Palmer Event Center is going to be hosting the Classic Game Fest 2022, July 23rd through 24th, which immediately begs the question, what classifies itself as a classic game? Okay, yeah. now are we talking like Dig Dug or are we talking Polo? No, right? what, what, go what's a classic, classic game? Are we talking like? Uh, is talking like you're talking Mario. You're talking Nintendo. Talk, that's the beginning of classic. That's games, a classic right? game. But what yeah, if I bring my Battleship game? game. I, I open up a Battleship. That's a classic <laughs> game. Clue is a classic game. Okay, um, uh, Masterpiece is a classic game. Mastermind, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 and ladders, isn't that a classic yep. game? Come it on, is. I mean, you know, the, the, yeah. the, I, I, all that stuff should be considered a classic <laughs> game. But of course, I would invite all my friends to go to that con and play Fizzbin, the most oh, classic man. card game of all time. Get an amen, fellow. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The Palmer Event Center just sounds so genteel and refined, doesn't it? Though I know that. Uh, Austonians, and I'm looking at you, Austin. There's nothing gentle and refined down there. You guys party crazy. So I know what's going on in that classic game fest. Yeah, right. So anyhow, uh, to more other locations, let's spin the bottle over to Jim. Where are you going convention hopping to in your neck of the woods, cowboy? Well, I'm going to Dayton, Ohio, to the Dayton Convention Center, July 23rd and 24th, to Gem City Comic Con. Then I'm going to swing on over to Whippany, New Jersey, actually. Whippany. <laughs> Whippany. I've never never been there. Oh, um, boy. Good place. Great place. Oh, yeah. You'll never forget <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. To the Wentworth Con, New Jersey, July 23rd and 24th at the Hanover Marriott. And last but not least, this one sounds interesting, Bricks by the Bay. July 23rd through 26th at the Santa Carla Convention Center in Santa Clara, California. Charles, isn't that where all the vampires live from Lost Boys? Uh, no, that'd be Santa Clara, which actually is near Santa Clara, Flash, Span, um, uh, the Beach Boardwalk, up in that Santa area. Cruz. Yeah, I was close. Santa Cruz. <laughs> Uh, that wraps up my convention visits, but Charles has got a few places to visit himself. Well, let's try the weekend, the 28th, the, tw- the 31st of July. We start off at Galaxy, Galaxy Con. Right, uh, right, yeah, I can, Riley, July 28th to 31st, Riley Convention Center, Riley, North Carolina. Or let's just go to the 29th and 30th. You can either go to Above, above Below, and Beyond at the Jersey Plaza Hotel Broadview in Wichita, Kansas. Or to go to Confluence 
at the Sheridan Pittsburgh Hotel in Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. Okay, with all and this, Jim, how about we get some news? Let's dive into some Star Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. All right, guys, this was, this was a late addition to our Star Trek news, and as in, as in it was just announced. And I thought I would uh, pass this one on to Paul. So, Paul, you've got some sad news to start us off with. Yeah, Uncle Jim, I do. This one hurts. Make no mistake about it. Um, I will just first of all confide that as a lad during the heyday of the, uh, let's just say, uh, mid to late 70s, um, I was obsessed with model building. Okay. Um, Like many Star Trek fans, I had the AMT kit of the Enterprise, the bridge and all of those and just loved gluing them together and painting them, trying to like vicariously imagine what it would be like to be a model maker. And then, of course, when Star Wars came out, everybody wanted to be a model maker. Right. And science fiction model making was just a huge thing. I'm sure many, many of our fans listening also enjoyed many, many long hours and maybe some still do because there's a ton of model making kits out there and it sort of feels like it's tying you to that legacy of all the great special effects and movies that make up the science fiction cosmos. So fans, I got to tell you, uh, one of the great architects of science fiction modeling passed away uh, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, legendary Star Trek model maker, Gregory Jine uh, passed away at age 76. Greg Jine was an Oscar and Emmy-nominated model maker, artist, and landscape miniature creator uh, who worked on multiple Star Trek iterations and uh, passed away again on May 22nd, according to numerous friends and associates who shared the news uh, just this last week on June 28th. Uh, He had purportedly been in declining health for some time, and at the time of his death, he was 76. As a production staffer, employee of a model-making shop, or as a proprietor of his own company, Greg Giant Incorporated, he lent his talents to Star Trek Phase Two, that series Jim was just talking about earlier, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek Insurrection, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Star Trek Voyager. Mic drop. Okay, if it had to do with the starship, Greg Giant had his hands into it. All right. His many other credits, which are just too many to mention, included John Carpenter's legendary Dark Star, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Greg Giant had a huge hand in uh, the work done on the mothership for that film. Steven Spielberg's 1941, Francis Coppola's One from the Heart. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, which is mentioned earlier tonight. The Hunt for Red October, The Scorpion King, Avatar, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, and the live-action version of Mulan. He was nominated twice for an Academy Award for Steven Spielberg films 1941 and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, twice for an Emmy for the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Trials and Tribulations, all those uh, original series uh, ships and K-7 that got to re- rebuilt again. Huge thing, uh, huge contribution that came to that from, from Greg Giant and the HBO miniseries Angels in America. A couple of quotes from The Man who everybody knows in the Star Trek world, Michael Okuda, 
saying he's deeply sad about the passing of legendary model maker Greg Giant, whose work ranged from, ranged from Dark Star to Firefox, Buckaroo Banzai, Hunt for Red October, Close Encounters in Star Trek. The world of fantastic filmmaking has gotten a little smaller with the passing of Greg Giant. Rick Sternbach says, some of us had heard inklings earlier, but the news is now out. Greg Giant has passed. The film and miniature world is a better place for him having lived in it and contributed so much. I first got to meet Greg in the late 70s and followed his exploits up to and beyond the times he and his colleagues brought some of my Star Trek ship designs to life. Thank you for your amazing friendship and your amazing talent. John Eves confides, as the news is spreading today, all of us that have been keeping this sad news quiet can finally talk. Several weeks ago, I called Greg Gine up to see if he would like to get some dinner. I got his old message machine, and an hour later, I received a call back saying that he had passed a couple of days earlier. This was a phone call I never wanted to get, but knew it was coming. Greg's health was on the downside, and I was afraid that he was in his twilight. His passing has left a hole in my heart that will never heal. He was a great friend and was a man I always admired. I was a fan from the mid-'70s and met him in '84, and happily started working for him in the mid-to-late-'80s. Words are hard to come by to share who he was to so many of us, and I am deeply saddened by his passing. Going to end this post here, but we'll post more soon. So if you've ever enjoyed looking at a miniature in Star Trek, if you've ever gazed at the mothership in Close Encounters, if you've ever watched a starship fly by on any iteration of Star Trek and said, God, how do they do that? What an incredible model. Odds are you were marveling at the work of Greg Gine, who has now passed from this realm into the mighty star field that is the universe, uh, where I hope you are creating starships that forever delight your spirit, sir. Thank you for all of your work and uh, all of your imagination. Eric, I'd like to pass it to you, sir. Wow, thanks. Uh, that was a great story, and uh, yeah, big loss to the community. Um, we're going to pivot, and we're going to start talking about uh, some of our newer Star Trek that is coming out here in the future. Give us a little hope for the future. So Sonequa Martin-Green talks unexpected Star Trek Discovery Season 5 crossovers, and more Tilly. Speaking to Games Radar in London, Sonequa borrowed a phrase from the interview interviewer to describe Discovery Season 5. She said, I think that's a great phrase. I'm going to steal it. Expect the unexpected. I think that is exactly right. The three words I would use to describe season five are refreshing, invigorating, and lovely. Now we have gone past every other trek in terms of the timeline. I'm excited to continue this new adventure. I'm excited to see more technology, and I'm excited to see more character development with our core, those characters that we've just come to love so much. I just want to see more and more interactions with the crew of just the Discovery amongst themselves. I'm excited for more of that. And more Tilly. Currently, there is no confirmation of what kind of role Mary Wiseman's Tilly will have in Season 5. However, showrunner Michelle Paradise has suggested that she will be returning in some capacity. The new season of Star Trek Picard is bringing back the main cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, which led Metro UK to ask Martin Green if she would like to see some Trek legends show up on Discovery. When asked whether she would ever hope to share the screen with any Star Trek legends, Sonequa listed Kate. Uh, we all know who Kate is, right? Kate Mulgrew, Sir Patrick Stewart, Whoopi Goldberg, and Avery Brooks, while also saying... I want to work with so many people. I am very much in support of crossover episodes and us getting an opportunity to work with some of the people 
whose shoulders we stand on, the actor said. Executive producer Alex Kurtzman has confirmed that there's going to be a Star Trek universe crossover of some sort, although it is assumed to be between the current series. And actually, um, I feel like we've gotten some hints on that on the Ready Room. Uh, They've talked about things showing up on Picard, paying off in Discovery, things showing up in another series, paying off in another series. So uh, we're weaving those things together. Um, I'm excited that they that she did kind of let slip a little bit about Tilly. Uh, I keep hoping we're going to get actually like some quality Tilly time at the Academy. That's what I really want. We got a little taste in season four. I want some more of that. If you're not going to have her on the ship, give me lots of Tilly. Show me how she's throwing down at the Academy. Uh, that's my big wish. So great article. Charles, why don't you keep this news train rolling here, buddy? Well, I was excited when I saw this came came up on my feed. IDW celebrates 15 years of Star Trek comics with a special 400th issue and a new Lower Decks series. IDW has been publishing Star Trek comics since 2007, and this September they will be celebrating the 400th issue of the franchise. IDW's celebration of 15 years and 400 issues of Trek Comics arrives an extended one-shot. Writes at $7.99 of a brand new series from different artists and writers. Here is the synopsis. Celebrate IDW's 400th issue of Star Trek Comics with this monumental issue highlighting fan and favorite eras of the acclaimed series. This collection of minis brings together Star Trek Cummins veterans in equal celebrations of IEW's Trek Comics past and future. Join little uh, Kaylee Detmer as seen as Star Trek Discovery, adventure in the 32nd century number three on the expedition, Visit the Kelvin Universe, witness heartfelt tales by TNG's very own Will Wheaton, and more by Chris Elekibus, Deacon Stevie, Richard Haley, and Michael Johnson, with art by Luke Sparrow, Seth Damus, Megan Levin, Angel Hernandez, and Joe Isma. September will also be the launch of a brand new three-issue miniseries, each price at $3.99, tied in the animated adult classic series, Star Trek Lower Decks. The series is written by Ryan Norris with art from Chris Fengillo. Here's the official synopsis. The hit Paramount Plus animated series makes its comic debut with Eisner winning comic Writer Ryan North, the unbeatable squirrel girl, at the helm. Soon after the leading, le- leading her crew on a planetary expedition aimed at build- building bridges and advancing Federation technology, Captain Freeman begins to suspect the planet and its people are not what they see. Meanwhile, the crew and the lower decks takes to the holodeck, enjoying some much-needed me- recreation time until a bloodthirsty vis- visitor decides to join them in their game. Ugh, need some more IDW comics now. 
Oh, Charles, I am so excited about this. I have to tell you guys, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. I think Paul knows. But the unbeatable Squirrel Girl is my absolute favorite Marvel superhero of all time, and I have to. Tell you, you just that talked about that on the last week's episode. On I did. Here. You did. It's wonderful. I'm. I. I. I, I didn't have a chance to ask you on air, but you have the Squirrel Girl figure with her scooter. I do not. I would love to have that. Have I you seen it? Get, I have seen it, and I just have not had a chance to pick yeah. it up. That but, seems um, like it's something that needs to be in your possession. I, I feel like it might be in the yeah. near future, but the point is, Ryan North is a fantastic writer. Like, I would put him in the realm of, like, a Terry Moore, who can, like, in two pages can tell more story than, like, most Marvel comics can tell in, you know, an entire issue. So, um, extremely entertaining writer, extremely good writer. I could not be more excited about Ryan North being involved in this project right now. Awesome. Well, I think we got some great stuff coming up. And we got some great stuff to pop. Jim, you dropped out, but I think that you were passing over to me, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Absolutely. Had a little volume glitch there, but hey. Uh, I'm kind of a 4K nut, right? I really love home video. And let me tell you what's coming here, friends, because I think you're going to like this. Uh, I know there's a lot of good Star Trek movies that have come down the pike, but one of the best, top-notch, top-shelf liquor, Star Trek First Contact. And it's getting a new 4K HDR edition on Paramount Plus right now. You don't even have to wait for physical media. You can watch it on Paramount Plus right now because Paramount Plus has brought Star Trek First Contact, their streaming service, in this whole new, brand-new way. It's been improved to be able to stream in 4K, and this new edition is considered to be the highest definition available by far. Far more even improved than that Blu-ray version. This seems to be part of the streaming service's desire to get fans to see the movie before it leaves the platform on July 31st in the United States. Okay, so kind of like what they did with uh, the motion picture, right? So got a temporary window. In all likelihood, what happens is that so that folks will be more encouraged to go out and buy the actual physical media when it comes out there. And, of course, as good as stuff looks on Paramount Plus and 4K, it's important to know that it always looks better on physical media because you've got much higher bit rate. You can have way more data on those disks. Not that data, but the other data. And so you can, as astonishing as it may look on your screens, when it's streamed, it's going to look three times sharper and more detailed when you're looking at it on physical disk. So, and then I think after they usually, once the sales have been good for a while, physical disk will probably show back up on Paramount Plus in the future. My own guess. That's the usual pattern. It will eventually return once these other obligations are fulfilled. But, you know, you have a little hiatus there, fans. Uh, But the important date to circle on your calendar is July 31st, because you've got until then to watch this thing as many times as you can. The first four original films have already been updated into 4K Blu-ray, and the fifth and sixth Star Trek films are coming soon as well. And all of those are slated to become on physical media, uh, 4K. Um, The first few movies have already come out, but you're going to be able to complete your uh, collections of those classic Trek films in 4K, all beautifully restored, including the upcoming director's cut of uh, the motion picture, which has never been released on physical media, let alone 4K. So you are in for a treat, friends. This is going to be a heck of a release, all coming this fall. Jim, 
I hear you thinking about a certain person's legacy and uh, the way they sing, Jim. What are you going to tell us about next? Yes, William Shatner's historic trip to space is commemorated with Rocket Man, a seven-inch vinyl release. But when William Shatner Space Captain James T. Kirk Sci-fi series Star Trek Was actually flown Aboard Jeff Bezos' own Blue Origin rocket Cynical among us Couldn't help but of astonished delight Now fans Mr. Shatner can celebrate that historic This world trip With a fun commemoration Shatner's brilliant Redition Rocket Man was originally released in 2011 solo album Seeking. If I remember correctly, Guy, didn't we play that on the podcast? I, uh, we- I believe, I believe we did. Yes, I believe we played it and enjoyed it quite a bit. So uh, yeah, from influential Gone Steve Hillage, and recently has been newly. Jurgen Engler. This new version is on both digital platforms as well as a silver vinyl of David Bowie's A Space Odyssey. Rick Moore and Candace Knight. Get your before the Klingons destroy. And that wraps up our Star Trek news, guys. And it's time for Strange New Worlds. Chief Medical Officer's personal log. Star date twenty three forty. Oh wait a second. Yes, we have one more story that I. Yes, we do. We have another yes. story. Nate, Nate, you've got a story for us. Yes, yes, it's a surprise story for you. Uh, so, uh, as you guys know, I play Star Trek Online, and starting today is their summer event. So they, I guess they have a Christmas event and a summer event. And it is uh, a RISA event uh, that starts today or started today at 8 a.m. Pacific and runs until July 30th uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you have to participate at least 20 out of uh, days to earn a free, another free Tier 6, which again is the highest tier ship um, and uh, the ship that they are offering this time is actually a life form, a jellyfish life form from uh, Encounter at Farpoint. So that is the, the you have like a UFO look to it when you're in uh, as a ship, and then you can transform into the the jellyfish form by doing some special ability. So it is on all platforms. So it is PC uh, and PlayStation, and I believe it's also on Xbox. Uh, so all <coughs> platforms start, starting today, all you need to do is participate 20 days uh, to earn this fantastic jelly ship, uh, jellyfish ship from Encounter at Farpoint. Well, I'll have to definitely do that for sure. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Nate. You're very welcome. 
All right, guys. So as we usually do before we do our uh, Strange New Worlds, we always play the, the log. And this week, it happens to be a medical log. Chief Medical Officer's Personal Log. Stardate 2341.6. We Enterprises conducting a routine survey of the Genesian Nebula. There isn't a great deal for sickbay to do, so I've been continuing my own research. The patient's condition has not improved. Months have become days and have become hours. Every minute has become invaluable. She has so little time left. Okay, Dr. Mbenga's reading his log, and every week we ask you guys, our Facebook fans, to score the episode on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about the Elysian Kingdom? Oh, we got some great comments this week, Jim. Uh, Kumar Ramakrishna says that uh, they give it a 6. I'm really beginning to love this Enterprise crew. They can clearly handle these types of offbeat stories. But, it's still early in the series to risk something like this. We need to firmly believe in the competence and professionalism of the crew first, which is what this first season should aim to do. This sort of fairy tale storyline should come in, say, late second or third season. I kind of feel Anthony Mount, for instance, needs to be enabled to flesh out his gravitas as a Starfleet captain more fully first to win the audience trust. He would then have earned the right to show off his quirkier side and have fun. Doing lighthearted plots at this early stage is risky, in my view. This Star Trek show has tremendous potential, but needs careful management. Wow, Kumar, that is a really thorough and I think really uh, apropos uh, analysis of this latest episode. So nicely done. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Top fan Colleen Bailey says, I like that Pike was a coward and a traitor, so opposite of the usual character. I enjoyed the fairy tale storyline. I cried at the end, even though I knew that his little girl was, spoiler alert, controlling the story somehow. Nine. Top fan Dorado Pudo says a six. It had good ideas and emotional moments, but in my opinion, there was much lost potential, especially in the daughter storyline. Top fan Brian Kane gave it an eight for him. Lots of fun, but the resolution was very predictable in a Trek way and a bit rushed. I did not expect the Rokia story to end so early in the series. Brian Eugene Smith said it started out feeling like this might be the first subpar episode, but quickly unfolded to be just another masterpiece. All the feels. Great performances from the entire cast, especially Mbenga and Hemmer. Production design team did magnificent work, not rushing towards the ending of a narrative arc, just great stories with only the linear thread of character development to bond them together so far. They are leaving some cool threads to revisit 10 out of 10 from Brian. Isaac Romero gave it a 9.9. That episode was amazing. and such a callback to so much old Trek. It was simply delightful. And much more of a great science fiction plot than I originally thought it was going to be. Let's just say I went and rewatched old PBS Space Time videos about the Boltzmann brains. Oh, there's some cool nerddom in this episode, Isaac. I love it too. Thank you for your thoughts. Top fan Matthew Everett said a 10. I like an episode that can make me laugh and cry. Christy Cummings also said 10. 
just think when they hit their stride in a couple of seasons, they'll be turning out some good stuff. They're just finding their footing. And I think this was a great episode. I love this doctor. And Mike Neeland said a 9.5. I didn't expect to like it once it started. It reminded me of some of those quirky episodes from TNG where Picard and his crew become Robin Hood, etc. I am not a merry man. But I actually really enjoyed it and absolutely loved the ending. I'm also very impatient to get back to the Gorn. I think many of us feel that way. And Evan Onholt gave it a four, though it was boring. thought it was boring, except for the first 10 minutes. So there you go. That gives us, guys, a fan score of 8.4, which is, once again, very respectable. It is not the lowest episode. Last week's was an 8.3. Uh, so this is second to last, but, uh, you know, out of 8, 8.4 is still a very uh, respectable number as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And every week we do our cadet training, and that's where Charles lets you guys know what episodes you can watch brush up on this one or to just have some fun so for that okay thank you jim quite a few episodes we can kind of look at for getting themes for this episode let's start off with early in episode 15, early in the original series, Kira with Shore Lee. And then in season two, we get a little bit in Cat's Paw. Definitely a memorable thought of creating characters with Cupid from TNG season four, episode 20. And Voyagers, Season 5, with Pride of Chaotica. Just listening to a little podcast about that recently. I love uh, the Chaotica episodes. episodes. Those are some of my favorite. Those and the Captain Proton episodes are so awesome of Captain Voyager. Proton. A couple of, good, couple of good filler episodes to talk about. Far Beyond the Stars, DS9, Season 6. And Magic Can Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, Discovery Season 1, Episode 7. Yeah. And then I kind of just looked up and saw, we talked a little bit about this last week. A article to the top 10 godlike figures. Gary Mitchell, the god entity. Apollo, Terrain, the caretaker, the Dowd, the Metron. The Organians, the Prophets, and the Q Continuum. Whew. A lot of stuff you can go in and look back at history on through many different series. So, Jim, how about we talk about this episode? No. Yeah, so let's dive in and talk about this episode. So, um, I have, I have, I've always some sound bites I like to play for you guys to kind of get you in the mood. And um, the first one I want to play for you guys um, is the very beginning of the episode. One of our, of our Facebook fans says he loved the first 10 minutes. Okay. Well, here's a little thing I call don't jinx us. No battles, no chaos, just scanning nebula and focusing on the science. 
Nice change of pace, wouldn't you agree? Captain, you have repeatedly told me that humans have a superstition against calling attention to good things by saying them out loud. Why, Mr. Spock, never took you for the superstitious type. Hm. Erica, set a course for McNair Starbase. Drinks are on me. Course set and ready for war on your mark, sir. You gonna say the thing? Hit it. Uh, I said hit it. I'm hitting it, Captain, but <laughs> we're not moving. Mitchell, what's going on with my ship? All systems are in the green, sir, but we're frozen in place. Mr. Spock. Scans indicating minor synchrotron flux emanating from inside the nebula. Perhaps that has affected our warp capabilities. Or. Or. Perhaps you did indeed jinx it. Let's hope that's all we have to worry about, Mr. Spock. Pike to engineering. We still got a warp core down there. Despite our lack of motion, the warp core seems to be functioning within normal parameters. Perhaps the nebula has merely affected our ability to achieve a static warp bubble. Suggest we engage impulse thrusters until we are clear of its gravitational influence. I concur with Mr. Spock's plans. Great, let's do it. Transferring power to impulse. Ortegas, get us out of here. Kissing this nebula goodbye, take two. <laughs> So I love that clip for a couple of reasons. I like that Pike refers to Ortegas by her first name. She calls him Erica, which I thought was pretty neat. And I, I like I like Spock with Don't Jinx Us, that whole conversation. And I like Ortegas. I like, you know, are you going to say the thing? And he says, hit it. And then she says, getting us out of here, part two. I just, I just like that whole interaction. I think the crew plays well together. And I liked it. So that's why I played it for you guys. So um, the next clip I have, this one goes out to you, Charles. It's called Unaffected. The question to ask is why you and Diane's affected and why they are. I thought the important question is, where is the Mercury Stone? Stone. It's a weapon, which is fictional. From the book. Where is this weapon? Well, in the book, Castor helps King Ridley to find it. I have no idea how to find it. I know. I came to rescue you because you're the only other person unaffected. Which means you can help solve the real problem. How do we undo all of this? Where were you when it started? In engineering. I had just checked the warp engines and I suddenly felt... I don't know. A consciousness press against my own. Luckily, my years of telepathic training allowed me to block it. Consciousness? Coming from where? I didn't have time to figure it out. I assume I'm able to keep my memories because of my telepathic abilities. Have you considered, Doctor, the entity I sensed might have pulled the story from your mind? But why? Impossible to know without asking. Cameron, do you think you can make contact with this entity again? Contact with it is unpleasant. That's why I blocked it. It felt as if my brain were being squeezed through my nose. I did that to a man once. So, Charles, why do you think, what do you think about Hemmer not being affected? I, I, we get a little more fleshing out of Hemmer's character. And definitely we get a little bit of his humor 
and definitely, I think, a great viewpoint from him. I think it was, I was really happy the fact that at least he wasn't affected by a lot of this. And I think he had a lot of fun with the fact that he wasn't, for the most part, affected. Though we do realize he discussed, I think he was a little affected. <clears throat> also, the reason why I added the cadet review, some of the different gods that we ran into. Yeah, the the one the one that I liked but that I didn't include because I didn't have enough time is where we see him being dragged down the hallway by the Crimson Guard and he's like, Unhand me, I'm your superior officer and they're like, Well you're a wizard wearing yeah. the robes and he's like, They just appeared. I don't know where they came from And they're like, That's because you're a wizard and they're magic. I love that scene. Um I just I couldn't fit I couldn't fit in. But um, he is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that's a we'll great that's about. a great scene in this episode and I don't I don't think we're going to get to it later. So I just want to ask Charles because Charles is our local uh Vulcan expert. So Charles, uh what do you think about uh Spock? Like Spock has some uh telepathic abilities here, right? He can We've actually seen from TOS that Spock can actually mind meld with people through walls, right? Which not every single Vulcan can have. Do you think that Spock should have been exempt from uh, from this effect? Or do you think that it was appropriate that because he's maybe like proto-Spock, you know, he hasn't quite had well, the discipline to get through it yet? I think part of his human side, I think, allowed him to be caught up with it. Mm-hmm. And definitely that'll be part of the topic next week. Mm-hmm. And he did have OT beard going on, which evil Fox always have in the mirror universe. What? <laughs> <laughs> right? Multiverse. Yeah. It's a multiverse yeah. now, Jim. It's a multiverse, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> well, speaking of Spock, the person of my trip, which is called Pollux the Wizard. Pollux the Wizard? King Ridley. I'm surprised to find you here, though I cannot say if I think it foolish or brave. Right. Well, we're looking for the wizard Casta. Ah, a fool then, then. For he is now in the hands of Queen Neth. And what is to keep us from simply marching in there and taking him? The Swamp of Infinite Death. Oh, that is not a good swamp. Alas, the only way to her kingdom takes you straight through it. Oh, no. Turn back then. Yes? I would die infinite death to no longer hear your whining. Are you sure, Pollux, that there is no way for you to help us? Why should I help you? Because Casta is your brother? Yes? I had no idea. How did you know? I read it in a book. And you would help Castor, not merely use him for his power? If you lead us through the swamp, I promise to free him. Hmm. I shall aid you then. There is a way around the swamp, a secret way, a dark way. Follow me. 
I couldn't help but think of the bog of eternal stench from Labyrinth <laughs> when he said that. Yeah, got- yeah. Or the or the fire swamp from Princess Bride. Um, I, yeah, I mean, this is so many great references. But I, if you go way, way back, man, Castor and Pollux are, of course, um, two characters from uh, Greek and Roman mythology, man. Um, have you ever heard of the of the sign Gemini? Well, if you've heard of the sign of Gemini, you're talking about Castor and Pollux right there. Um, so uh, like much good science fiction does, they bring in some old school mythology into this one. They make them into wizards. I love setting um, Spock against Hemmer as kind of like the white and the black wizards, you know, in this one. Um, uh, I have questions about whether or not Spock should have been affected by this same thing, given his like mental prowess, but I'm, I'm going to stick with what Charles was just saying uh, relative to his human side and say, okay, all right, we've got kind of a proto Spock here. So I can see why he would not have been affected, but um, I really loved all of the Greek mythology references that worked their way throughout this entire episode. Um, if you're a fan of Greek myths, like if you're a Joseph Campbell fan or anybody like uh, Rick Reardon, anybody like that who dives deep into Greek and Roman mythology, um, you probably dug it and you probably dug a bunch of these references. So yeah, I really liked this <laughs> particular scene where we get a little bit more information about Pollux, our black wizard. He was uh, interesting. Let's leave, he was fascinating. Let's leave it at fascinating, that. Fascinating, as one should be. And um, there was another scene in this one that I that I really liked. And yeah, I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to play it for you. Doctor, the shuttle crew landed several hours ago. Is there a reason they haven't been cleared for active duty yet? I'm sorry. I must have gotten a little lost in my research. I'll get right to it. Are you getting any closer? No. The last thing I tried to literally blow up in my face. Maybe you're pushing yourself too hard. Rukia has been living in that transport for too long. Much longer than I anticipated. And even so, my time is now running out. I has to break you. I just need to find it. I sympathize with your duties as a father, but I also have to remind you of your duties as our chief medical officer. Understood, Commander. I will ensure that the London parts is cleared for duty immediately. But first, why don't you get some rest? You can see to the landing party when you're feeling better. I'm fine. Take it as an order then, Doctor. The crew isn't going anywhere, and neither is Rakia. because it shows I like the interaction and then Benga and um, this little scene because there's not there's not much uh, of the in this episode very little and there's a scene later on that I did where we find out what Mbenga's name is remember we talked about this in the podcast Sorry, we lost you there, Jim. What'd you say? Am I am I on? 
Yeah, you're you're on. Say you're on, but you're cha- you're breaking up. Well, I'm sitting at my camp. It's only it's reasonable, but. <laughs> <you know. laughs> so what were what were you saying, Jim? That we find out what Mbenga's first name is. Yes, we do. That's right. What is? It? Uh, we uh well uh uh. Oh my gosh, I, I, Joseph, right, it's Joseph, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I thought I lost him for a second, I was like, Bill, Dirk, no, it's Joseph and Benga, yes. That's right, it's Joseph, and they told us that, they told us that earlier, but then they took it back and said that wasn't his name, and they lied. Which I love, about, like, I, it, honestly, guys, like, I, I think Alex Kurtzman is on the level here, and I think that he knows what he's doing with this franchise, and he is doing his absolute best to adhere to as much canon as possible without spoiling too much, while also, like, making sure that he can make things fresh and uh, bring something new to the table that we haven't heard before. So, yes. Joseph was like not canon, then canon, then not canon, and now officially canon because now they've actually said it on screen. So um, I'm sorry, but you guys, I think Kurtzman is doing a great job with this franchise. And I agree with you. Oh, I agree. We'll, we'll and, agree um, to disagree then on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. And um, I, one of the few, few things I enjoyed about this episode um, so this clip I picked because I liked it. I came to see Ortegas, but Ortegas. Oh, you mean Sir Adia? I'm not. Sir Adia? From the book? The book, sire. Is this some kind of a joke, Captain? If it is jokes you desire, I could summon the court jester. Summon the court no. just Hold the jester. It's just you all dressed up like characters from the book I've been reading to my Well, what takes is Sir Adia. And you are clearly Sir Amand Roth. Your loyal chamberlain. Was this your idea? My idea to what, sire? Perhaps it would be best if you took a seat, King Ridley. Maybe I should sit. So you guys know how I feel about Anson Mount, right? He's the man. And, He's your um, man crush. There's no question. Yeah, and this, he, he, he did it in this episode. He played a great, sniveling little coward, and yeah. I just, I just love his acting chops in this particular episode. Oh uh, yeah, one of the things I liked about it was was that. So I had well, to play and that. How about and how about Sir Adia? I mean, uh, I just like I I want to acknowledge the fact that they took a female character and they made her a sir, which I think is extremely appropriate. Um, she is quickly becoming one of my favorite pilots. Uh, I I it, I mean. There are a bunch of really, really good pilots on Star Trek, so it's hard to pick a favorite. But, um, man, her interactions with Pike are something special on this series right now. And the sword fight is is pretty cool. Well, and I love love, the name of her sword and the fact that she, like, 
you know, she's got those classic moments where she like, she's like, I'm going to show you some steel and I'll show you just a little bit of my sword. And it just, I don't know. To me, those are just like classic moments that were a little tiny bit clunky in the episode, but clunky was okay because we were expecting it and then we got it. So it was, ah, she was so good. It's becoming she like a modern day Sulu. Yeah, yep. totally. And and dude, and yeah. you, the thing that I really, really like about Erica Ortega's right now is that every time she flies the ship, when you put the camera on her face, her eyes get like twice as big, and she gets excited about what she's doing. Like you feel the energy of the ship through her as she's piloting it. And Jim, you played that that um, quote earlier where where he's like hit it. And she's like, I'm hitting it, sir, but da, 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 da. to me, I just fell over laughing during that line because she's like, I'm trying to hit it and it's not working. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, guys, um, believe it, it's been four weeks since we actually got a visit from my favorite character. He shows up in this episode and boy, does he show up in a big way. So you know what time that is? You know what that means? That means it's... Stop. Hammer time. Every time you see me, that hammer's just so hype. I'm dope on the floor and I'm magic on the mic. That's right. It's hammer time. So here we go. Here's our hammer time clip of the episode right now. Turn away now or I'll unleash the full power of my powerful wizard powers. I'll, uh, I'll send you to the event horizon, a dark realm full of chaos and monsters and... There is no such place, my queen, he's bluffing. What are you doing? Abra! Kadabra! <laughs> nice wizard power. I found this in sick bay. We synced it to trigger the transporter. They're in cargo bay 12. Once again, the magic of science prevails. Too much? I know. So, so, yeah, the other thing I loved about this episode yeah. was Hammer. I mean, how could you not? He had everything he did in this episode, everything he said in this episode was classic. And, you know, that was another one of them. the power of science. I just, I love me some Hammer. Yeah. He is awesome. So, guys, we, uh, we've talked a little bit. I played some clips for you guys about the episode. And now it's time we've heard the fan scores of the episode. And why don't we talk about the episode ourselves? I want to start off by saying I hated this episode. Um, it is my least favorite of all of the episodes. Um, and I, well, I had to go back. I have to generally, I will watch every episode two or three times before we talk about it on the podcast. I suffered through this episode the first time. I had to force myself to go back and watch it a second time to pull all those sound bites out. But guess what? 
second time I watched it, I didn't think it was as bad as I thought it was the first time. So it got better. It, it grew on me the second time around. I love Pike. I knew you were being him. too harsh. <laughs> I, I just, I love a sniveling pike. I mean, it was great. I loved Hammer. It was a great role reversal. I agree. It, it was great. I, I loved it. It was a great role, and I love Anson Mount. He's the man. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a much better the second time around. Um, so what I didn't like, there was a lot I didn't like, but I just talk about what I liked. I liked that. I loved Hammer. The storyline with the daughter I, I agree with one of our fans. It was a wasted opportunity to pull her out of the transporter the way they did. Um, I thought the ending was great until she showed up the second time. When she showed up the second time, it destroyed the ending. It was already a perfect ending. By her coming back, it ruined the ending. He never, it, he, he never had a... I didn't like it. I didn't like her coming back immediately after she left. So, um, and I didn't like the fact that we didn't learn about the alien. The, the, the alien says the, the crew is inconsequential. All that matters is the girl. Um, I, I didn't like the alien. I did. They didn't, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't like it at all. So all that being said, my final score for the episode uh, for me comes in at a six. I had it. I had it lower, but after watching it the second time, I bumped it up to a six. I might even go to a 6.2, maybe a 6.3, but I can't go any higher than that. And I only go that high because I love Anson Mount and I love Emma. Um, and the opening sequence with, with Ortegas hitting it, part two, sir, I just I thought that was great. And the Spock's jinxing, jinxing it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a six ish for my score the lowest score i've given a strange new worlds episode so there you go guys i wanted to start with the lowest because i know i was the one guy of all of us that hated it the most so there they have it so um how about you charles okay well when i talk about some of the filler episodes Magic can make the sanest man, man go mad. The only thing, only only progression we got from that episode was we finally dealt with Harry Mudd, and we learned a little bit about Samus's time travel. But otherwise, you, it wasn't an episode you had to see, and if you didn't see it, you lost track of the story. Whereas this one, okay, you missed this episode. You suddenly question, well, wait a minute, where's them Megan's daughter? I kind of saw her as a good, a good way of keeping him connected to the series and to the ship. And now that she's gone, you kind of lose a little bit of that tie to the series and the ship. So I was kind of sad that they kind of just took her away. Yeah, I can understand trying to decide whether should she allow to give up his daughter or that being a hard decision. But I just, 
I wasn't happy with the way they dealt with that. Man, I missed some good conversation, clearly. No, you didn't. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> uh, I was away for a bit, so I had to deal with the thing. But uh, That's okay. It sounds That's like uh, who's, who's given a score, Jim? I know I heard your score, but has somebody already went before you, Jim? We got some. T- no, nope. we got some time to talk about the episode. <laughs> then we're going to do schools. Got it. Thanks, guys. Sorry to have to bail. All right. Um, Jim didn't quite mind a sniveling Captain Pike. I kind of was disappointed that like you get a transformation of characters. As I talked about, some that get every view. Or people that lo- lose their personality. Worf was still an, a not a merry man. That was still war. Whereas here, everybody's personality got replaced. The only time I've seen personalities getting really replaced is the DS9 episode because they were playing different characters entirely. But you mean far beyond the still said a little bit of their personality. I just didn't feel like they kind of used some of the characters' personality as well as they could have. So I end up down with Jim and this is probably going to be one of my lowest Star Trek reviews at a 6.2. Yeah, so you, you are exactly right about where I'm at. Pretty much. Yep. All right, how about you, Paul? Want to share your thoughts on the episode with us and give us a score? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I will. Um, gosh. Um you know, I like to respect the craft of everybody who works. Making a TV show is incredibly hard, right? Everyone comes together, and everyone sets out to make something really good, right? No one wants to make an episode that doesn't satisfy, right? But um, uh, I will just say this is not my overall lowest rating of the season, but it came close. Um, I, I'm actually going on uh, – I'll just say what I put on the IMDb. I rated it as a four. You know, um, I thought that they, everybody had really good intentions, right? But the whole just throwing a few tapestries and curtains around the the Enterprise set wasn't enough to transform me into this other reality, right? It's like, ow, it just seemed like it was so hastily thrown together. And, and kind of what uh, my parents used to say was slapdash, right? It just seemed like it was really go down, run down the hallway to the next uh, the next studio and see if they have any curtains they're not using, and let's use those. And it was just kind of thrown together, and uh, and like uh, Charles was saying, suddenly Spock was like a totally other human being with emotions and you know wry stuff, and and you know Anton Mount was just kind of almost borderline kind of. Could, some people might find it offensive. I, I think his kind of, you know, what used to be referred to as kind of a mincing portrayal. So yeah, uh, I mean, I appreciated what they wanted to do to try to wrap up the daughter's storyline, 
Because, I, I, I mean, we've been saying for weeks that, like, you can't keep going on like that. It's just too sad. It's just too sad and bittersweet and melancholy. But, you know, here, now she's gone, and it was, it was resolved in a really unsatisfying way, right? Now the daughter's gone, and how can Mbenga even go on? I would be haunted forever if I had, like, had to, yeah, my daughter's not going to die of this illness, but I had to basically do the equivalent of leaving her at the institution door. <laughs> Because it's like, I can't live with her. I, she has to be in some bubble where she's safe. And they basically abandon each other. It's catastrophically sad. You know, I find it really, really sad and uh, not satisfying as a viewer at all. Um, so, yeah, um, for me, I was just like, I, uh, I'm sure you tried your best. You have good intentions. But as a viewer, I was just like, this is just really incredibly depressing and just painful to watch some of these actors you know, going through these, you know, <laughs> these administrations. So, yeah, I, I was thrilled when it was finally over. Sorry. All right. Well, there we have it. We were going from low to lower. So how about you, Nate? I know you loved this one. So what what did you think about it? I did love this one. And for me, uh, now, listening to those clips, um, yeah, now, uh Spock, to me, he acted like Spock. Uh, he had the same tone as Spock. So I don't think his personality really changed all that much. Um, whereas you had a total role reversal with Pike uh, from being the, the, the uh, inspirational commanding officer captain uh to this uh this nibbling little uh coward so um you had that, that with spock you didn't have that i don't think um my actual one of the standout characters for me as much as i hate her it was lanon i think that's how you say her character's name uh, she, she she was great uh that again i love the fact that these characters were changed their personalities in a basically a hollow deck type of episode. That's that's how I um, looked at it, and uh, so um, I actually found out that that dog was is her actual dog, the actress's dog. Um, I watched some YouTube video uh, about uh, this episode, and uh, the people, the hosts, had had said that. I don't know what YouTube channel I was watching, but. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool that uh, she she had her actual dog in there. But I, I actually enjoyed all the role reversals. Um, and uh, the, uh, the the end, I, I, I kind of, uh, I can agree with you a bit there on the end. Uh, I was, uh, I was a bit uh, uh, weepy eyed with the end. I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, and, uh, then I, I I can see your point, Jim, about uh, spoiling the end by her just in a blink of an eye uh, coming back and and no time has passed and kind of spoiling that tearful moment. Um, but that's uh, that's the part of it that uh, that that ending sequence for me that could have bumped it even possibly even higher than I'm going to give it. Uh, I gave the premiere an eight. And that's what I'm going to give this one. And I was actually surprised uh, our, um, 
our fan scores uh, were were uh, eights, nines, and tens. Uh, whereas uh, now with us, uh, we're here in the we're in the doghouse here. Uh, we had a seven point nine last week uh, with us, our view um, viewership rating. So yeah, I I love this episode, uh, and uh, yeah, that's I gave it an eight. An eight from Nate. Hey, it rhymes. Huh? Eight from Nate. Yeah. All right, David, it's your turn. Uh, are we going to get a an eight from Dave? I can't think of something to rhyme with David. Anyways, take it away, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I got a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, opinions about this episode because hearing from what you guys were saying, I was a little surprised. I was like, you know. Star Trek is supposed to be about diversity, and I, for me, thought that this episode was great just because of the fact that we did see the role reversed and completely went 180 degrees, this, the opposite direction, you know, to what they originally uh, started as. And so, to me, I was just like, it's, it's interesting to see the other side of what these actors in real life can actually do. And to me, I was just like, you know, this is pretty interesting. It's got a lot of uh, humor. It's got a lot of, uh, uh, like what Eric was saying earlier, mythology type of uh, stuff going on in this show. And to me, I was like, you know, I, I kind of dig it. There's a lot of mythology Greek type stuff, even in the TOS, that were pretty good. So to me, I, I didn't understand why Spock wasn't affected because of his whole telepathy thing. Um, but I can understand now of what Charles had mentioned about, you know, probably being uh, too young or too much on the human side, I guess. But um, I don't know. To me, I, there was a couple things that didn't really match. But overall, I think it was pretty good. I really liked uh, La'an's uh, role. Um, I liked them all. Yeah, I think it was really good. I'm actually going to probably bump this up to an 8.5. Wow, 8.5 from David. So, um, Eric, you're the last one we, we have to hear from, but we do have a caller on the line. You want to give your give your score and then talk to a caller, or do you want to hear what the caller has to say? Let's say hi to Buck the caller Dan- first. All right. Buck Dancer's choice. Let's see what the caller has to say. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Well, the caller says that he's Joe from Montana. And Joe from Montana. And say hi. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Doing pretty uh, good. Have you been listening to our conversation so far? No, nah, no. Nah. Nope, I just came in. But somebody was gracious enough to let me uh, talk before he was going to answer the question. I don't mind waiting until he answers the question, and then I can... I only want to ask another question of you guys anyway, just to fill me in on something. Okay, that's fine. So, uh, Eric, why don't you uh, share your thoughts on this episode, give us your score, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk to Joe. Well, I'm super excited to talk to Joe because he's always got interesting stuff to talk about, so let me lay down what I thought about this episode. Uh you guys, I love this episode. I loved it the first time I watched it. I loved it the second time I watched it. I kind of feel like after I get off the podcast, I might go watch it again. Um, to me, uh, so 
let me just set the stage. I am a person who loves theater. My family has many subscriptions to many local theater things here in Portland. We have a pretty decent theater scene. And uh, we go see three, four shows with two or three different organizations over the course of a year. So I might see, you know, 12, 13, 14 live theater productions in a year. Um, and I am kind of critical of them. Like I, I, I offer um, criticism on both the, the lighting and the sound and the delivery of lines and all this kind of stuff. So to me, this episode was almost a perfect TOS episode. Uh, I, I give it a nine and here's why. Um, I love that the fact that the alien wasn't actually revealed in the end, um, you get a little peek into, uh, an alien intellect that is doing something that we kind of understand, but we don't really understand. And it leaves a mystery in the end. I don't think Star Trek has to always answer the question by the end of the episode. I am super happy to be left hanging just a little bit and to know that there's an alien out there that I don't understand everything about. Um, a lot of people have referenced uh, classic Star Trek episodes, like even Charles was talking about during his cadet training, certain episodes where people are switched into different roles or they're forced to uh, play a character, and that kind of lends itself to the story, and the story is told through the things that these people have to do uh, forcibly. I love that part about this episode. I love the fact that the characters didn't actually know what they were doing and that they um, played the roles perfectly that were in the story. To me, this is a, um, this is no different from like a Q type episode where, where the Q makes certain things happen because, well, he's Q. Um, I love that, um, that you are trapped by your concept of what a set looks like. There's, uh, I, I feel like you, so uh, Paul mentioned like he, he didn't like for him, you know, throwing a couple tapestries and throwing a couple nice things in the corner wasn't enough in this episode. To me, to me, that was enough. That was enough. I loved the fact that the daughter is imagining a world that looks like the ship, which her dad has certainly talked to her about. And she's uh, permutating it, right? She's giving us versions of that ship and what the characters might be like on the ship and the things that they might carry out. Um, to me, Spock, uh, I would totally agree with David. Spock acted like Spock. Uh, I thought he you know, was a slightly emotional version of a wizard that I might expect <laughs> out of Spock. Uh, his comebacks were okay with me. They didn't throw me out of the suspension of disbelief of the episode. Um, and you know what? Spock is not a human being, and he's not a Vulcan. So who the hell knows how he's actually going to react to things that involve mental discipline in this series? We don't actually know, right? We've, we can kind of surmise that like by the time TOS happens, he's got a certain amount of mental discipline uh, which also breaks down when he gets in the presence of, you know, space poppies or whatever. But um, generally speaking, we expect a Spock that is going to be a little bit more susceptible to alternate realities, alternate timelines. So I thought it was great. So for me, you guys, I really liked this episode. I thought it was a great way to actually tell the story of his daughter. Um, 
to me, all of the interactions that we had seen with him and his daughter before related to this story. So the fact that they kind of built out her ultimate story around the book story that was being told, uh, that to me was really super cool. And, you know, we get some, like, pretty cool references, um, too. I mean, the uh, Charles, I know you're, you're – you may have wanted to mention this earlier. Um, who Who is our author of the Elysian Kingdom book that we see in this episode? Oh, uh, it's okay. It's Benny. It's Benny Russell. I forgot and, the and, name. And, of the and who is Benny I Russell? Know. Yeah, Benny Russell, who happens to be the character that I one of the characters in. The episodes going through far beyond the stars. far beyond the stars with Avery Book's character. Yeah, so Betty so Russell was is a great a, yeah, great reference back to uh, the fake author that Cisco plays in Far Beyond the Stars. So, uh, to me, this episode is hitting all the things that a classic Star Trek episode does. It's hitting my feels. It's hitting my, like, big story resolution because now we have resolution of the kid's story. It's hitting my character development because now we've, like, developed Mbenga's character much more through this episode. And it's fun. And, and it generates awesome opportunities for cosplay. Uh, can you imagine all the Laans with their little dogs walking around Star Trek conventions in the future? I love it. So... To me, this episode was a nine. I loved it, loved it, loved it. That's wonderful, man. I wish I, I wish I could share that reaction. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. It, but you know what? I love Star Trek Five, and I love Crawl. So, who am I? I mean, I think I just kind of, I feel like this is one of those episodes where you gotta be like, you have to be a theater person. You have to love live theater to love this episode. And if you oh, do, I, I, and I know so you do, am. and I know I you so do, Paul, but I, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to watch it again because, to me, this hits all of the like the main points that you would have in live theater. It hits the like surprise factor. It hits the yeah. um, the character development. It hits the. Uh, I don't know. It hits. It hits many, many factors for me. And you can disagree. I wanted to, and I, I we totally are... get what they were trying to do. I just, we go. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just different things. It's, just, it's a, it's a vegan steak lover's dilemma. I think that's the, uh, you know, it's like it's a stage left versus stage right. I, I'm, I'm Why? thrilled when people are able to enjoy an episode like this. I'm thrilled. Why do you think this episode? It creates such a schism. You you have you hate it, you love it. You have people arguing over this particular episode. Why? Well, what I is it about because, the I think it's maybe some, some people, people don't like fairy tales. Right. Like I, think, like, I, think, I like fairy tales. So once upon a time, that's, yeah. that's you know how fairy tales yep. start. That's I, what it was for I, me. I, 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 I do. I like fairy tales. Friends, I do, and I love. I love theater and fairy tales. No. I adore them. I think a lot of it is the fact that for me, I mean, it's just, and my wife was sitting right next to me with the same look on her face I had, was just that uh, everything was, the format of the show was completely changed in terms of uh, the way things were being presented. And there was no good explanation for any of it, right? And there was no good, you know, a sound basis to, 
to understand. It was just like, okay, we just thought we'd do something zany, and here we are. And it just didn't, it didn't hold water for me. I am thrilled that you guys enjoyed it. Um, I am always wish I can. I'm never going to try to convince somebody that something they like that they shouldn't. I'm so not that way. I am delighted when people are able to, to enjoy stuff, and I, I'm, I'm, I think it's great to do. I just, for me, I, just, I couldn't get it. Oh, and, and, and that's fine because there's so many episodes of both Obi-Wan and uh, this series or any Star Trek series recent ones where I just sit here with my arms folded with a grumbly face. So I, I, I understand utterly hating an episode. That's, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with you uh, hating the episode that can I, um Can I ask Eric a question? Sure, absolutely. Go ahead, Joe. Um, honestly. Did you like this episode? Yes, I absolutely loved this episode. <laughs> I, and... I, I guess so. That was, just a, that was just a joke question. You know, it was satirical. Okay. No, I've uh, <laughs> I've had fans tell me that um, how could I like episodes like Cupid with Worf? How could I like episodes like Trouble with Tribbles or Trials and Tribulations or some of these holodeck episodes? And not like this one. I'm not a Star Trek fan if I don't like this one because this is the same as all those other ones. But it's not. It's not the same. And it's okay to like whatever, whatever you, uh, <laughs> whatever you like. That's fine. So uh, we're just we're actually we are out of time. So uh, Joe, what what was your question? What did you want to ask us? The thing is, we know now. In our, in our current time, uh, we have the so-called danger of climate change. I call it so-called because I don't believe it. I believe if the climate change um, is occurring, it's because the governments are doing it, not because of uh, man-made uh, pollution. Um, but, that's, but my question related to that is, since Star Trek is in the future, have there been any references, either in the current series or in any series that you guys know about, that dealt with climate change and either solved it or couldn't solve it. So that's my question. Uh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> um, climate change episodes on Star Trek. Um, um, truck spurts, dive in anytime you want. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Ooh, God. Ouch. Ow. Um, Nothing, I was going to uh, say that a lot of the Discovery shows uh, episodes probably had dived in a little bit about the climate, um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of in an agreement with Joe here that the climate is probably had been just been man-made. So, to me, I think a lot of the climate that they were talking about in Star Trek lore would be that um, it's all based on. Um, what has been happening today, like throughout all Star Trek, you know, even in TOS back in the day of the 60s and 70s, you know, they were dealing with the particular type of crisis at that time. So to me, when it came through discovery and stuff, I had noticed a couple of episodes in that series where they did deal with the climate because they had this whole technology thing that they were talking about, about trying to, fix someone's planet, you know, because it's certain climate change. And so it's like, okay, well, that's probably because we're dealing with it now. And so, yeah. Well, it's, 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 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic, Joe, because I feel like a lot of Star Trek is actually based on the premise that one day we will develop a technology sufficient enough to dig us out of the hole that we're in. And so in a lot of ways, like Star Trek is a a utopian uh, way to look at the future. And yet, is it actually achievable? Is it like, can we actually do the things that we think that we can do? Because Star Trek is is 100% entirely based on actually having the technology to be able to do it. The the way that we solve um, world hunger is we, you know, invent replicators that can, that can basically do alchemy. They can turn a freaking rock into a sandwich. So is that something that's realistic? I'm not entirely sure. So I think what's important about Star Trek is that we take the ideals that are pushed forward and not necessarily glom on to the technology. Because if we, if we, if we rely on the technology, we are going to be sorely disappointed, my friend. I think there's a lot of technology that we may never achieve that is in Star Trek. Um, can we achieve that sort of like all-inclusive utopian future without the idea of no poverty, without the idea of uh, no wanting of anything? I'm not entirely sure. And honestly, dude, I would love to have an entire show to talk about that because to me, the Star Trek ideal of utopia from Next Generation is a little bit of a farce, and I see it in a different light now than I saw it 25 years ago, personally. Well, Eric, I do believe while you were talking, they did deal with climate change, and they did solve it on Star Trek Picard with the enzyme that Rene brought back from Io that Reed and his adopted son used to clear up the oceans and, you know, fix the ozone layer so they did kind of deal with that in on star trek picard yeah jim and there have been a couple of different versions of that that have happened throughout star trek i mean back in the 80s it was the whale thing right like save the whales and so we got star trek 4 which the whole premise of star trek 4 is save the whales and right I, i i think what's important is that you don't you don't like glom onto the one thing that that movie's about or that that episode's about but the point is Star Trek is trying to tell stories that give us warnings about the future. And the warnings are, you know, is the environment healthy? Are the animals still around? Um, Is there sound science going on? You know, are people like relying too much on superstition? Like these are all the questions that Star Trek asked us throughout time. And, and to me, I love the fact that it never quite gets it right. It always is constantly asking questions because the best Star Trek is the, is the Star Trek that doesn't answer the question. It's the Star Trek that asks the question and then makes you figure out the answer. I love that. Well, like Joe, a little did, green did, man. Did, did we answer yeah. your question adequately, Joe? Well, you certainly did when you brought up that episode about the end, the, the end time. And actually, I don't, uh, I don't remember ever seeing it if I did. It's new. Um, Oh, but the thing is, is that what I, when I was listening to you guys, you were talking, Eric, we were talking about technology. You think that we won't develop it. I think that even though it's in the future by around 100 years or so, it's understating the type of technology that artificial intelligence would 
eventually develop if it didn't become a sentient being. If artificial intelligence, which is probably here, um, becomes a sentient being, then I don't think any life, any human life on Earth uh, will, you know, will be here anymore, or it'll just leave the planet to our own devices and just scour the universe. But the one thing which Star Trek has not done ever since the, the original episodes in 1966 was that it, in, in the utopian vein that um, Eric is talking about, you will notice that there's very little jealousy, envy, or treachery on the part of earthly humans. And I believe that <laughs> if that's ingrained in our, you are in our DNA, and if you watch the, uh, the episodes in 1966 onward, you do have episodes showing that, how the deficiency in our human nature is being revealed then. But it's not being revealed so much now. It's as though we have really calmed ourselves, almost Vulcan-like, but not quite Vulcan-like, thank God, because Vulcans, you know, have a minimum of feelings. But um, so that's my um, that's my opinion about human nature and about the technology. Well, yeah, thank you, Joe. thank you so much for calling, uh, Joe. We 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 love to hear from you, and oh, we really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to call us, and you know, try to stay cool there in Montana. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll <Although> try. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, you guys be you guys be safe, all right? And I'll, yep. I'll talk to you oh. soon. Take care. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. So uh, before before we wrap everything up, Nate, what was our final score? Did we come in close to the fans? Nowhere near the fans. Uh, averaging out our scores with the six of us, uh, we get uh, a 6.95, which I was actually with with uh, two, two eights and a nine to counteract the two six basically sixes in the four, I thought it was going to be higher, but nope, 6.95. Wow, okay, 6.95. All right, well, guys, I want to let you know that there will not be a show on Monday because it's the 4th of July here in the United States of America, and so we're all going to be out watching fireworks, having hot dogs, having barbecues and whatnot, so there will not be a special Monday show. We will have a show on Thursday night, though. We're going to talk about the episode that was on tonight. And, oh, boy, is it a doozy. You you don't want to miss next Thursday. Uh, we're going to have hammer time galore. So you definitely want to tune in on Thursday for that. I want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much to Anna for giving us a call and for, for uh, tuning in and listening to the uh, to the show with us tonight. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Anna, for that. And um, Thank you. you're very welcome. And I want to say thank you so much to Joe for my I guess we got that. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so must be a weird signal floating in from someone talking on a cell phone in camp here. Little green man. Yeah, anyways, that was weird. <laughs> I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, I just wanted to add one more comment that this episode's ending probably was the best ending so far when he said once upon a time. 
Oh, that's right. That was the very, very end. Agreed. Yeah, you're right. Agreed. Yep, you're right. And we want to say thank you so much for Nate for hanging out in Truck Talk last night. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, it's glad to be here to try and up the score a little bit, but uh, I guess I couldn't do that. <laughs> that's it's it's it, it all comes out in the wash, I guess, right? <laughs> and thank you so much to our very own Paul for hanging out in Truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul. A pleasure, man. Thank you. You are always a, a phenomenal host. You're always gracious, and uh, I think it's your credit that you maintain an environment where we can all talk about stuff like this. And occasionally, like folks have different opinions, and there's never any rancor, right? There's always no. everyone's just able to come together and uh, and talk. No, we we it, it, we that that's I think that's one of the things about the show that is like you know. I can hate an episode and Eric can love the episode and it doesn't really affect how, you know, how we talk about it on the show. I mean, that's just, I will say this. I don't like to, um, to be negative about everything. I mean, I'm not afraid to tell you I don't like something, but like with tonight's episode, I'll find something I did like, and I'll tell you what I did like. So that's what we try to do here. So, and of course, thank you so much to our very own Charles who's also from Vegas. We have the dynamic duo from Vegas tonight. Thank you for hanging out with us, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. It was a fun truck show. I can't wait for next week's episode. Oh, me neither. And thank you so much to you, Eric, for hanging out and sharing your opinions on this episode with us. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I believe that in the future, this episode will be one of those ones that we are still talking about 10 years from now. And, you know, we, we went over, we did go over a little bit, but we had some callers that called in and we did have that extra story that I wanted to get in there for Paul. So that's why we went over a little bit tonight. And I apologize for that, but it's the 4th of July. We're out celebrating. So guys, that wraps up our show. Please head over to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow. Tell us where you're listening from. We'd love to hear from you. You can listen to all of our, our podcasts over at PodPage dot com slash trek dash talking you can go there and listen to any one of our shows so check that out please i'm your most excellent host uncle jim saying to everybody please star trek fans are the best fans stay safe and be good to each other hailing frequencies are closed good night everybody night y'all good night good night all be well let's see what's out there Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.